0: Hello, and welcome to the podcast. Today, I have the distinct pleasure of sitting down with North Carolina State University's Assistant Athletic Director and Director of Strength and Conditioning, Bob Alejo. Bob will also be on the docket hitting leadoff at the 2016 seminar, and today, guys, we are going to actually talk about what a sports scientist is. You know, Bob actually put a post out on Facebook that Anthony Reyna picked up and put on strengthcoach.com that it's really just a brilliant question as to this entire new, I don't know what we want to call it, this new move towards calling people sports scientists who really are just collecting and analyzing data, which is really what we've done all along. So Bob starts out asking the question, you know, what exactly is a sports scientist? And then we get into, you know, the issue with this trend of of creating these new titles and the pros and cons of it, things that have come for a positive and, and things that have been a negative to it. We then get into the role of big data when it comes to strength and conditioning and how that's kind of fit into what we do all along. And then Bob starts talking about what he sees the difference between a scientist and science-based training and then where the art factor of all this fits in on top of it. Uh, We then start talking about how all of this really, you know, it just fits into what we've been doing all along. Looking at numbers to drive your training based on the science that you can find and tying it all together to make sure your athletes are improving and performing at their highest level possible and then we start talking about this athlete-centered model and where strength and conditioning coaches fit into it it's uh it's really an interesting talk bob's a guy who's he's obviously seen it all you know coming from multiple schools in california you know ucla and santa barbara and then getting in with the athletics twice and now coming out working at, at nc state he's He's a guy who's actually one of the greatest resources that I've ever come across. and He's a super person, and I, I can't be thankful enough for him spending the time with us today to, to talk. I hope you guys enjoy the talk as much as I did. Let's get right to it. Yeah. And here we go. Coach, thanks so much for taking some time with us today, bud. It's, uh, it's an interesting topic we've got, one that a lot of people have been able to read, but, but let's talk about the article.
1: Well, so I said something on Facebook, got good responses. And essentially, it's just one of those things where I, I just, I, I mean, for lack of a better term, I'm, I'm fed up hearing about sports scientists who aren't sports scientists. It's, it's that simple. And and I'm in a profession where we're having some strength and conditioning professionals rename themselves sports scientists and and... That's not true. I mean, that's not that's not accurate. First of all, it's a misrepresentation, and, and I'm I'm definitely not down with that. You know, it took me 35 years to get what I have now. Philosophy, thoughts, support, um, adversaries. I mean, whatever it might be, and so just to, to change a title or a name that used to be something else or is something already. Is a misrepresentation. So, you know, essentially what I was trying to say there, like you and I, we read athlete tracking data. You know, crunching numbers is nothing new to a strength coach. We've done that a long time. And frankly, the other article that should spin off of that is how, you know, data is big right now. My question is, has data ever not been big? I mean, have we ever guessed at who should be batting fourth in the lineup? Or do we have numbers that tell us that this guy should bat fourth? Do we have... Some sort of intuition about who should run the third leg of the four by one, or did we have some statistical evidence that tells us that that's the right spot for that guy, or our team averages in squat, vertical jump, forty? No, it's all all been there. If you're if you're not using those numbers to drive your programming, then you're just you're guessing, you're hoping, and but believe me, hope is a bad strategy. So I, I, I'm just saying that data has been big the whole time. Now, there's more data to collect and more ways to collect it now, which I think is terrific for all of us. You and I have talked about this ad nauseum. Like, you know, this is terrific. Now, not that any any data is not helpful, but I think it's all meaningful. But there's a certain amount that's only useful, either through time, skill, technology, uh, resources in general. Um, So... For somebody to go ahead and do what you and I are doing, I think we call ourselves coaches. I know I would. Mm -hmm. um, And call themselves sports scientists, that's misrepresenting. There's there's a good chance, too, that if we take this a a step further, that somebody may perhaps think that they're more qualified for a job because they're a sports scientist than I am because I'm a strength and conditioning coach, even though we do the same things. And that bothers me a lot. It doesn't bother me as much as it bothers me for our profession and and young smart coaches were coming up and perhaps could have jobs taken from them. So, uh, I just, you know, I got tired of it, made a little statement in a short period. It was really a post, not an article. Believe me, it could be an article. Um, but I wanted to address that topic. And I also wanted to make sure I mentioned that it, you know, part of it's on us, you know, we've, we've, We've taken, well, I think I put in the article there. I think we've taken great license in changing titles. I mean, there's got to be eight titles out there that have the same job description. Where else and what other job is like that, right? There, there is no, nowhere. They, they keep their same vernacular, their same titles. Look at how many times we've, you know, we, we've changed and grouped, categorized different exercises. And philosophies that already existed, and changed that name two or three times instead of just leaving it the way it was. You know, I think I've said this before. I got asked. It must have been ten years ago, maybe fifteen years ago. I got asked at a conference one time, "Hey, Coach, do you um, have you ever heard of?" And rattle off this huge alphabet-laden name that I I had honestly not heard of. But knowing what I know, I told the guy. Hey, no, I haven't heard of that. But if you tell me what it is, I'll tell you what we used to call it.
0: And it's—it's
1: <laughs> it's, it's really, it's really the truth. I mean, I'm not—I'm not trying to be, like I said, I'm not trying to be flip. But it's uh, so you, you'll see some more of that coming out. I think there's lots of things that I think now I'm—I'm I'm old enough and maybe have some impact in the industry where I could say something and it could turn the light on at least in one guy um and if there's more then that'd be great but I think the stuff needs to be said
0: totally I mean a hundred percent and it's funny because a lot of people talk about this whole what our title is and who we are and what our profession is and Blah, blah, blah. It's so much more than just being a strength and conditioning coach. But really, like, is that what we need to fight for? You know what I mean? Like, to have, like, a cooler title to make yeah. us feel better? I don't I don't know. I hope not. But I think piggybacking what you're saying, you know, the whole idea of this sports science thing, having the guy who... Because really what sports science now is just deeper analytics when it comes to performance. And then coming from the guy who worked under the man who basically built the whole idea of sport analytics, I think it makes the statement even stronger.
1: Yeah. Well, I think you're right. I mean, uh, I, I just like to say that it's, I mean, look, you and I study the science, which we should, But the scientists produce the science. I read it. I'm not a scientist. But what I do, what you do, what we do is science-based. I mean, you're not going to be very good or at least last very long if you're not science-based because you're just not going to get the results. So uh, the the sports science part of it, I just, you know, I don't see athlete tracking as science. I don't. I I mean, I I think it's science-based. But really, is it? I mean, think about it for a little bit. Is it science-based or technology-based? I mean, so if we're tracking somebody in terms of yardage, that's just, I mean, 40 years ago, 30 years ago, there was pedometers, right? You could put on your hip. You know, it wasn't very advanced, but it was as advanced as it could have been for the day. I mean, was that science of walking? No, it was counting steps. I mean, so, but the environment with that yardage is produced may give you an indication of what sort of physiology is going on. And once you get that, then you can take it to the next step. But but again, putting something on somebody here or, you know, wherever, I don't know that there's science. I, I think that's technology. I mean uh, now, I think there there was something the other day about coaching and art. And I can't remember what it was. I think Joe Ken something said something about oh I know it was Brian Mann talked about art of programming or something like that and I think as you start out I was going to write something like this on that in a response to what I had on Facebook but I think when you start out you're just throwing stuff out there to see what sticks and see if it works I don't know if there's much of an art to it than that all of it's science-based you're driving it off of science trying to get to the right piece but I can tell you now at the end here I think there is a little bit of artistry in in coaching and programming you know sitting there and And, you know, the way I look at it is I have my yearly plan right in front of me, all 52 weeks, lists of exercises, volumes, intensities. And it's like a palette of sorts. You know, you're getting ready to plug in intensities and things, you know, you're going. And and those intensities and games and days off and holidays, those are like your colors, you know, and you just plug them in. I definitely think there's some artistry in as you get older in designing and implementing and coaching programs um but again it's all it's all science based. I firmly believe in the science. I mean you can't have your own science. It's you know, like like uh DeGrassi says, the, the great thing about science is it's true whether you believe it or not. <laughs> no
0: <laughs> doubt about that. And you know, coming back, you know, speaking of Dr. Mann and you know, like we had Dr. DeWeese on last week, you know, these guys that are actually in there. Performing this work where the studies are being done and mm-hmm. statistics are being run and publications are being written and they're working, whether they're actually the ones doing it or they're leading their PhD candidates through this research. Like the difference between a scientist and I believe the, the term was a uh, high performance coach. Jeez, Was that what we were calling it earlier?
1: Hold that, hold that. Make sure you remind me to tell you my my high performance coach thing.
0: Yeah, or whatever the title would be for the, the person that does strength and conditioning and the monitoring, tracking, analytical data Right. is we're not publishing. We're not, right. we're sharing, you and I, like, yeah. hey, so when we're hitting heart rates like this, our readiness yeah. is like that. Yep. What are your guys like? Like, what training did you do prior? Do you think this, like, we're sharing, but we're not sharing in the Journal of Strength and Conditioning. Right. You know, research. We're not sharing in the ACSM. So right. I think that when you're, when you're saying, like, I think that the sports science thing was probably kind of like an easy way out to make a name. Good um, kind man. Of and it's kind of catchy. So I'm sure people were like, ooh, that's cool. That sounds neat. Because yep. a lot of us, I mean, like I'm, I'm, I'm a nerd. So like that, that would, that sounds catchy and cool to me. But what about, um, what about your thoughts with all of that?
1: Well, I'd say the first thing about high performance coach is, is there any sort, any other sort of goal we're going for? I mean, isn't a high performance coach kind of, redundant it's from the right. it's from the department of redundancy department
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: i mean high performance coach no kidding that's what we're all doing we're trying to get the best performance elite performance now i've been thinking about this as i'm starting to prepare for my defense against some of these naysayers you know elite performance elite that's difficult now because elite performance has only one category Right. Elite performance is world class, not national class, not state class, not conference class, world class. When you say, hey, you know, I want elite performance, you have to be careful I mean, because, frankly, there's tons of schools that are never going to have elite performers ever. So to say that, hey, uh, you know, w- w- we're training for elite performance, that's an unreasonable goal. And you and I both know if you set a reasonable goal for athletes, you're going to lose them. Because right. you're not going to attain them, and they're not going to trust you. Um, but elite numbers is possible. We can get elite squats, elite bench presses, elite vertical jumps. You and I have seen that in our day. Mm-hmm. It, it, the kids may not be elite athletes, but again, that, that's not our charge, right? So when I say high, when I hear a high performance coach, it, it kind of it tickles me a little bit. Like, what else would you expect to try to do to get the best performance? Yes. Um, And along the lines of what you're talking about, fixing that title up, you know, I mean, I I think we'd all agree that most of this impetus is coming from Europe where they have, I wouldn't say performance models, but they have a model of performance staffs. And as I said in that article, I will tell anybody who will listen, I'll stand up on top of the desk and proclaim it to be true. That the best athletic performance team model is one where the athletic trainers, strength and conditioning specialists, um, sports psychologists, and nutrition is all into one. You could add therapy if you have that sort. I mean, in Europe they have this wider group of folks where you have, you know, uh, uh, rehab strength and conditioning coaches, uh, you know, so on and so forth. But those all work as a team. Like they're all together every day, because what we do, Jay, happens every day. Either we're doing one, two, three, four, five, or all of those things every single day. We're encountering it, right? Mm -hmm. So it's not as if it's not as if somebody can supervise that by monthly. You know, it's got to be somebody who's in charge. And if you're good at what you do in this business, you've led staffs. We all speak the terminology. We've all been involved with rehab. We've been involved with nutrition. I mean, the first sports nutritionists on campus were strength coaches, and in some places it still is strength coaches. And so I think the most viable candidate for that, if they're successful and experienced, is a, is a strength and conditioning coach. He should be the director of that group, one director. All those other uh, disciplines are underneath where it should be, where coach comes to me and says, How's Jada Mayo's rehab going? I pull open his folder and I've got all that stuff right here. Well, coach, he's training three times a week. Lower body modified, upper body full go. He's getting rehab every day at 2.15. He's meeting with the doctor a week from Monday. Sports psychologist is keeping him straight, you know, keeping him excited and enthusiastic, even though he's going to be down for six weeks. There you go. Instead of him having to make four phone calls or have four conversations or have me not know what those other things are doing or a nutrition not knowing what strength and conditioning is doing. It's got to be one thing. So I'm all about that model. I'm all about that model. Mm-hmm. But uh, in terms of the title right now, you know, sports scientist, I'm not buying it unless, unless you're taking, you know, like I said, you're taking muscle biopies and EKGs and determining what's happening there and solving the scientific problem. But in terms of, you know, high performance, again, you know, barring from a system That's had that title, but that high performance is just a title. What we need is an athletic performance team. And that's what we need. And I think we can do that here, although I will say, it sounds to me like in most places that, um, and I could be wrong here, but not here in the States, that everybody gets a little, they're a little selfish about who's talking about their stuff, you know, instead of saying, oh, by the way, are we talking about the kids here? We're not talking about you. <laughs> we're not going to talking about your staff or your unit. We're talking about how your unit helps the kids. That, that's probably not as common as we'd like it to be.
0: hundred percent. Yeah. And I love that, that you're talking about that athletic performance model because we're starting to see that pop up in our sport, right. you know, especially in the NBA. Yep. Um, who would be the figurehead in all of that? is always open for debate or if it would almost just be one person who has to, that just is their management role. It's just that they don't do other things. Um, but I think that that whole building from, you know, people like when we were up in Boston last summer, a lot of people were talking about how you can't have silos and things of that nature. But I think it's more like, you need to have silos, but it needs to be built like the Olympic rings where everybody can kind of work together and, and build these things in a little bit. Um, so it's like we, when we see issues that arise in those situations, it's like a strength coach is doing a little bit too much PT for the PT to be comfortable with. Right. Or the strength coach is giving a little too much nutrition advice for the nutritionist to be comfortable with or the pt is moving a little bit too much into what the strength coach is trying to do or whatever it may be but i think I've, that that whole model is where we need to be moving because it, like you said it has to be athlete centered about the kids and what you're doing to help them be better healthier whatever it may be
1: 100 percent. I, I i mean again i and I don't think I'm biased. I'm sure there's some bias in there. But I think a strength and conditioning coach is the, is the only one of that group who's been exposed to everybody else in that group and has had some role in there. I mean, the second chapter, you know, or second part of the semester in, in, in Exercise Phys 1A is nutrition. We're, we're exposed to it right away. And we've been, you know, the sports nutrition thing is not new. It's not new. Uh, and we were the ones that were doing it. I mean, we were doing it by ourselves, and in some cl- cases still doing it by ourselves in many, many places, mm-hmm. professional and collegiate. Um, you know, we work in the world of rehab because we have to learn how to make that return to play. I mean, there's rehab, and then there's training, and then there's that link in between where you kind of cross-pollinate. Uh, and when I was with the Oakland A's, when they were ready to go, when they were pain-free, I did the rehab. But under the trainer's, not guidelines, but under his restriction and limitations. And he trusted me because he knew that I'm the one that knows how to get guys to run. I know what to look out when they run. I mean, that, that, doesn't, that makes complete sense. That's what we do. We're biomechanists. We know what we've seen there. Sports psychology, I mean, I don't know any coach who wouldn't say that part of our job is psychology. Every one of us does it every day. Every sport coach does the same thing. But we also look at it in terms of athletic performance, sports performance, general motivation. I mean, all these things. So I, I think we're the ones, again, I, I don't think a guy who's, hey, I'm a strength and conditioning coach for four years, I can run that model. I don't believe that to be true. I don't know what date that is where you say, okay, I could be the one that runs the sports performance uh, team but I think an experienced um, successful strength and conditioning coach can do that you know I think it, it I don't think it has to be somebody with a lot of years and not successful on the other hand um, I, I'm not sure that you know years is the biggest piece of it but when you have the two together they're the ones that watch I me. Mean, who else is going to understand what we do?
0: Right. And
1: we do it every day. So that that bi-monthly meeting that you're going to have with your supervisor, that's not going to help anything. I mean, you know how many things happen in a two-week period? So the director should be a guy who's got that strength and conditioning expertise, well we're working with those guys every single day. If we're not lifting, we're conditioning, and if we're not lifting and conditioning, or just lifting, just conditioning, we're at practice warming them up or watching that. I mean, there's so many. when I mean, we see these guys every day. Athletic training doesn't see every kid every day. Academics doesn't see every kid every day. Um, to have nutrition every single day, do we have enough nutritionists to walk those kids around? No, but we have a strength coach that's in charge of every team. So it just makes it just makes sense to me. I don't. To me, that's kind of where the science exits the door, and then just common sense comes in. I I, I would be the first one to advocate. For a strength conditioning coach, or a, a super experienced background in that area, to run that model.
0: Well, I couldn't agree more. I think that, and if not, it would have to be someone who would be um, able to 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 put that hat on as well. You know, if if they're not specifically a strength coach, um, someone who at least like. Uh, like a PT who's got good strength and conditioning backgrounds to them, um, I think would be a, a good person as well. I would agree. I think what you see now though, is a lot of people who just have the, um, the experience in either readiness monitoring or athlete tracking. And although I think that's very good and very important, what you're looking at though is just kind of, um, you know, what's coming out of the oven, you're not looking at how you're baking the cake. But no
1: question. I mean that's a that's a great analogy. And that and that's unfortunate. I think we you know, strength and conditioning coaches, if you're gonna be really good, you gotta speak the language. You you gotta know what a the difference between a, a two guard and a wing is. You gotta know what the difference is between the, the, the fifty free and you know, the 100 free long course. I mean, you need to know what that means. And so that, and when those, like you said, those numbers come out, you can get the math department to figure the numbers out. I mean, but understanding what those things mean are the biggest part of what we do. That's how we write programs. That's how we determine fatigue and preparation and peaking by knowing the positions. The programs are different for different spots, different times of the year. That's a thorough understanding of the science. So, yeah, I mean, we got to be able to speak we have to be able to speak athletic training, sports nutrition, sports psychology and really those other disciplines they don't need to know how to speak what we do i they're not they're not a big part of that
0: no that's fair and you got to be Your able to speak the sport stuff. too yeah yeah yeah, you know? yeah yeah i agree with you i mean it's that's a great that's a great point that you bring up that you have to know the difference you know because it's and not just that but you have to know the difference Really, between how, what, what a shooting guard is for system A versus system B. Because right. how our kids operate, I mean, or defenses, you know, right. de- like especially in hoops. I mean, say we make the switch from, from what we run now and it's like all of a sudden it's like we're going to be like Syracuse and we're doing nothing but a straight 2-3 zone. Well, all of a sudden the bioenergetics of how you play is 180 degrees different. Right. Or go yeah. from what we do to straight man, or whatever it may be. So, understanding those thoughts, like the technical, tactical end of it, is uh, is just as important. And there's, you know, not to talk down on what other people do, but it, there's there's limitations in what they would need to have knowledge-wise based on those situations for what their role would be within the actual improvement of the student athlete. No question. And it's, um, yeah, I think that all of that is, like, is super interesting. And if people haven't read the article, stop, scroll down. It's going to be verbatim right below here. Okay. Or you can go to, it's strengthcoach.com, right, Anthony Reyna's page.
1: Yeah, yeah. And, I haven't seen it there yet, but, he like, he just texted me and said, put it on, I said, go for it, dude.
0: Right. And if Anthony's okay with it, we're going to post it. For full on uh, on the Facebook page and on our website, so we really appreciate it, Coach. It's uh, it's a great piece. I appreciate you taking the time today, man, and uh, and we'll be in touch really soon, my friend.
1: Yeah, can't wait to get up there to the uh, Central Virginia backyard barbecue.
0: Yes, sir. It's gonna be uh, it's gonna be great. Hitting leadoff now, so just <laughs> so you know, it's uh, be there early friday afternoon folks coach alejo's hitting lead off he'll be ready to go bring your thinking caps and uh and of course be ready to, to to talk stories and and shop afterwards over a soda pop or two and some some burgers and dogs excited man
1: thanks jay i appreciate you asking me to be on
0: Hey, appreciate you being on coach great seeing you bud we'll talk soon all right brother take care later and a huge thanks to 2016 presenter and NC State Af- Assistant Athletic Director and Director of Strength and Conditioning, Bob Alejo, for taking the time to talk with us. Guys, And I think he raises some really good points and some interesting questions, and we'll be interested to hear what your thoughts are on it. Uh, you know, it is it is something that, I mean, Bob's been around, and, he, and he's seen it all, and, and he understands the history of the whole situation. So hearing his take on it, I think is really important. So I'd, I'd love to hear your feedback. As always, guys, if you enjoy the talk, please share it in the social media outlet of your choice. If you have any questions, thoughts, comments, anything, fire them below. You know, Bob's not a guy that's going to hide. He, if you have questions, he's going to answer them. And to be honest, he's, he's a big reason behind what we do here with the podcast. So it's, it, it's an absolute pleasure to be able to sit down and talk with, with Bob and, and hear him and pick his brain about these things. I hope you guys enjoyed this as much as I did and are excited that Bob will be here on campus July 15th and 16th to hit leadoff for the 2016 seminar. Hope we can see you guys here this July. And thanks again for listening, and we will see you back here next week with another awesome guest.